Bond markets are going wild right now, including one that you wouldn't expect. Now, that's not a good sign, except if you own these instruments. They call this bull flattening, or really it's more bullish inversion, but that's why I hate the term, because it's not bullish for anything, except, again, if you own these instruments. We've got two markets and two ends of each curve and really highly critical developments in each part that we need to get into today. And we'll start with the one that everybody's been paying close attention to, and that's long-term U.S. Treasuries. Long-term U.S. Treasuries continue to go down in yield when everybody has been convinced they can only go higher. Rather than continuing the bear steepening case, which would have been the market accepting and validating the Fed's soft landing, instead, as expected, once we got past September, which happens in the middle of October, long-term rates start to do the more fundamental stuff that they've done every year we go through this. So August, September, and part of October, rates go up for the September effect. It's not because of the shorts in the treasury market, which that's not really a thing either. The shorts are just the other side of the basis trade, which I've covered in a recent video. You should check that out. It's not shorts in the futures market. It's not treasury supply. As I did just uh, did a video just a couple days ago, treasury supply is what everyone is hung up on when treasury supply time and again is proven to be an inconsequential factor. A couple weeks ago, it was the 30-year long bond auction that was supposedly horrific. And yesterday, everybody was talking about the 20-year bond auction. This out-of-the-way corner of the bond market that almost nobody talks about, suddenly it was the biggest thing ever. It was the first long bond sale since the 30-year early this month, and it was on a shortened holiday week. This was all set up to be a disaster. The government is selling way too much debt, treasury supply matters more than anything, and nothing. Here's what Bloomberg had to say yesterday, before the auction. The treasury market's nascent rally is facing its next big test a bond auction that will help gauge whether investors are confident 2023's sell-off is over once and for all. Spurred by slowing inflation and signs of a cooling growth, traders and investors have recently rushed headlong into U.S. government debt, convinced that the Federal Reserve is done raising interest rates and will shift to cutting them by the middle of next year. And that's what I talked about in that previous video on the 30-year bond auction. It's the fundamentals of the economy that matter, not treasury supply, the 20-year bond auction. But it's understandable why people have been focused on treasury supply because it's so egregiously awful. It seems like it's it's very intuitive that it would you would think that there would come a time when there will be a limit to how much the market can absorb. But as we've seen in Japan, as, we, as we've seen consistently since that other 30-year bond auction 12 years ago, Treasury supply, government supply, is not the overriding factor. It was not the overriding factor in the sell-off that was September effect. And it isn't going to be an overriding factor moving forward. Instead, as we learned from the 20-year bond auction yesterday, here's Bloomberg afterward, a historic surge in bonds got a green light to continue after an auction of 20-year debt that had traders fretting went off without a hitch. The auction drew a slightly lower than expected yield, a sign that demand was stronger than anticipated, despite its unusual timing on a Monday of a holiday shortened week. It was the first sale of long maturity U.S. Treasury debt since November 9th, when the 30-year bond auction produced unequivocally bad demand metrics. And what did those unequivocally bad demand metrics actually mean? Absolutely nothing. 
outside of the one day, November 9th, when the auction was held, rates have been going down as if the auction was not unequivocally bad in its, de in its demand metrics. Instead, Treasury supply is not the overriding concern here. It is the fundamentals in the market that are being priced and projected from the economy and the monetary system. That's the other side that we're going to get into here too. We've talked about the macroeconomic situation that is increasingly more dangerous, to put it in very blunt terms here. We've got economy that's heading into recession in multiple locations. The U.S. economy and its labor market that looks like it's stumbled potentially badly, consumers exhausted, maybe tapping out. There goes the U.S. support for the rest of the world. So that's one big risk here is the macro. And it makes sense why long-term de demand for long-term uh, bonds all over the world would be increasing here because long-term bonds, contrary to what economists and central bankers tell you, are growth and inflation expectations. And those growth and inflation expectations are set independently of the Federal Reserve or ECB and their forecasts and their projections. The problem was the sell-off in September that many people were, were, were trying to add their own narrative to why rates were going higher. Jay Powell had his own saying it was treasury supply. Many people thought it was the same. But as I said, if the sell-off had continued, that would have actually been the market saying, not supply, but we agree with the soft landing. Growth and inflation expectations, more emphasis on growth, those would have been improving. That's why rates would have gone up. But instead, we see this every September, in every October, and in every market, there is the reverse. The market goes back to fundamentals, and those fundamentals are not good. It's not just the long end of the U.S. Treasury curve, though. Maybe more important, the short end. Now, I've been talking about the two-year Treasury, which is sort of in the middle there, the middle short front part of the, the Treasury curve. What I mean this time, though, Treasury bills. The bills have been boring and uninteresting for the last four or five months, where before that period, especially in March and April during the banking crisis, everything was all about bills, collateral shortage, not just collateral shortage, collateral runs that were obvious. They were so substantial. They took treasury bill, front end bill yields down substantially. We had auctions where where participants were bidding for at zero rates. They weren't getting zero rates, but they were, they were saying, I will pay any price that's necessary just to secure these treasury bills. Then, of course, we had the debt ceiling, which scrambled everything up. But on the other side of the debt ceiling, and this is why people are focused on treasury supply, the government has gone absolutely incredibly insane, issuing lots of debt, mostly in the form of treasury bills. And while some people, while that debt was being first issued, were worried that maybe there'd be too many bills here, the market easily absorbed every single one. But as that supply ramped up, it meant that the, the rest of the marketplace was satiated. It was saturated with bills, which meant the market for bills became incredibly boring. And so bill rates just kind of went sideways to a little bit higher for several months while everybody was focused on the long end of the yield curve and the sell-off there. But since the middle of October, middle of October, Treasury bill yields have been moving down, not all at once, not in huge chunks, but a little bit here and there all the time. On October 17th, the six-month bill, 
that was yielding about 5.6%. By the beginning of November, it was 5.51, so down about nine basis points. And now, as of November 16th, it was under 5.40, so more than 20 basis point move over about a month in time. We also see this at auctions. The six-month auction has produced slightly lower yields throughout each individual, each weekly auction that comes up. And in each auction, the percentage of those bidding on it, bid that are awarded at the high rate, so those that are bidding at the high yield, that continues to fall sharply. So bids, they're creeping up in price, which is driving yields lower. And it's not just the six month, we see it at the, at the three month bill, we see it at the four week and especially the eight week instruments too. And what seems to be happening is that market participants are thinking, first of all, they might need to lock in these high rates while they, while they still can. So if you're thinking about the next six months, maybe it'd be a good idea to get this six-month treasury bill that's yielding, what, 5.5%, 5.4%? Let's buy it today because six months from now, where will rates be? Market is saying better to buy and get those bills today than risk them, being, them yielding much less in a couple months down the road. So you see the six month bill start to move lower, the three month bill that's moving lower, though the spread between the three month and six month, that has crept up to double digit basis points, which is the widest or most inverted since May. That's not a good sign either because it's the market saying, we're increasingly nervous about the way things are going in the economy and the monetary system, which I'll get to in a second, and the more those go negative, the more we have problems in the economy, the more we have to worry about the monetary system, the more likely it is that interest rates are going to go down on their own, as well as the Federal Reserve cutting rate, cutting rates, as the Bloomberg article mentioned earlier. So the market is getting a little bit more comfortable with the idea of lower interest rates in the future. But it's not just this this flight to safety. It's not just, hey, I'm worried about the returns on, on treasury bills six months from now. There are also indications that we're starting to run into collateral problems all over again, which, as I just said, we shouldn't be seeing these things because the flood of bills since the early part of June has been absolutely tremendous. By all accounts, supply has been more than anything we've seen since, say, since maybe April and May of 2020. Essentially, there are tons of bills out there, so we should not have a shortage of treasury bills. Now, there are issues with the repo market, which I've talked about before. Maybe money market funds are taking too many of these bills out of circulation. We've seen these treasury bill issues creep up, and they seem to be, more and more lately, the familiar scrambles for collateral. In fact, in each of the last five days, We've seen the morning scramble for collateral in the four-week instrument. And over four of the last five days, today was the loan exception, we've seen the same in the three-month bill. Now, these scrambles for collateral, which became way too common, in fact, it became really extreme during March and April, what those are is essentially in the morning before the repo market really opens up, as everybody's unwinding the transactions from yesterday. And so in this early morning period, you see this wild scramble for this particular, especially treasury bills, where treasury bill yields will drop by two, three, four, sometimes five basis points, which is what we've seen over the last week. And in the more extreme cases that we saw earlier this year, they would drop by a lot more than that. Sometimes it was 20 basis points and larger, which was just absolutely insane. 
But again, the, the wider point here is treasury bill yields are going down for a couple different reasons. There's the economic case, maybe interest rates are going lower, lower overall, better lock in the returns now, but there's also a more, an increasingly strong hint of collateral difficulties showing up in that familiar scramble for collateral way, which is not something that we want to see here. Moving on to the different market here, the markets you don't normally expect, that's the Japanese market. And we're gonna talk about both ends of the Japanese market too, starting with the front end there. And this is one that I brought up before several times, going back to August, because in early August, Japanese government bills, particularly the three month benchmark, that one had attracted the same sort of bid that we're seeing in US treasury bills. And the, bill, the bid in Japanese government bills is the same as in treasury bill. That's a collateral signal. That's a euro dollar, dollar shortage funding signal. And if you wanna know more about that, I just wrote it up in our deep dive analysis just yesterday. But essentially, when you see Japanese government bill yields start to go down, that's not a good sign for dollar funding conditions, for collateral, therefore, dollar funding conditions. And what we saw was back in August, it was just the Japanese bill and it was mostly the three month bill. So it was just this one indication you thought, all right, something might be going on here, but it's nothing substantial. But over time, not only did the three month bill not normalize as you would expect, if it was just a short term fluctuation, it would go down and maybe come back up. It went down, it would come partway back up, then it got really low at the end of August and came partway back up in September. Then it got really low at the end of September into October. And as of today, it's minus 26 basis points having fallen off pretty sharply over the last couple days where we're seeing the scrambles for collateral in U.S. Treasury bills. So that's another key indicator where, again, as I said in August, it was the loan standout suggesting there's something going on collateral amidst the flood of Treasury bills. But over the last several months, almost three months here, the world seems to be moving in that direction in terms of macroeconomy certainly, but more so collateral and monetary conditions. There seems to be more funding problems showing up that are confirming the, the, the signal that we first saw in Japanese bills. So Japanese bills, the world is starting to look more like Japanese bills have been telling us over the last couple of months, as is the other end of the Japanese curve, the one that everybody thinks is, they've, they've left it for dead. The JGB market, the long-term JGB market, that one, Bank of Japan does own a tremendous amount of long-term JGBs. In fact, they, uh, as of the latest figures, it's, it's a little bit over 50%, 53.2%. Insurance companies own another 19%. So that's a lot of Japanese government bonds that are just locked away in central banks or insurance companies. So they're not actually part of the marketplace. But even so, there is still information in long-term Japanese government bonds, the JGBs. They do move and correlate with other bond markets around the world. We saw that last year. They sold off in August, September and into October, just like U.S. Treasuries. Then they got their bid, just like U.S. Treasuries late in 2022. Japanese government bonds also traded with the, the China reopening trade, late 2022, early 2023. And then when CNY and JPY turned around in mid-January against the China reopening trade, we got bids in the long-term JGBs too. Now, what are JGBs doing now? They're actually down sharply, sharply in, in yields during this month. They peaked in the end of August, October, end of August. They peaked at the end of October 
almost exactly a year from 2022. And they went sideways. And then in November, they've caught a massive substantial bid. The 10-year JGB, which was almost heading toward 1%, uh, on November 1st was 96 basis points. As of November 9th, that was down to 84. And as of today, it's down to 70 basis points. So a huge swing in the 10-year JGB. And it's the same at the longer, the 20-year, as well as the 30-year bonds too. Long-term JGBs aren't dead. There is information in that market too. And as they get massive amounts of bids here, it's consistent with U.S. Treasuries, the long end there, German bonds, the long end there, Canadian maple bonds, I hate that term, Canadian maple bonds, which you've seen consistent with everything else. It's the global bond market pricing increasing risk in macro and money. Both parts of the curve, both of these markets, as well as the many other markets beside them, increasingly deflationary recession. Yeah, the deflationary recession didn't go away. It sort of took a little bit of a detour, went underground for a couple of months, but it's don't say it's back. It's just, it's been there all the while, covered up under the September effect in the sell-off. While everybody's focused on long-term U.S. treasuries and treasury supply or short covering or whatever else it may be, the entire bond market is becoming more and more focused on the risks associated with the macro economy becoming recessionary and substantial deflation risk with all of the collateral indications that we see, not just U.S. treasuries, but also Japanese bills and several other factors as well. The market is going crazy and wild, and people can't figure out why it is because they've been focused exclusively on treasury supply. It's not about the auctions, it's not about treasury supply, it's these other fundamentals. And they are absolutely coming to the forefront. But just don't call it bullish. This month's 30-year bond auction that produced unequivocally bad demand metrics, well, that was nothing compared to the one in August 2011. And it's important to make those comparisons, as I did in a recent video. That's the one link below me. As always, I thank you for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University members, Eurodollar University subscribers. And until next time, take care.